0: Hey, Randy. Did you know our podcast is at the forefront of broadcasting the evolutionary mindset and disseminating knowledge from the biomass of culture and experience that values advancement?
1: Um, Willie, do you mean that we spread the word about how product people are creating great product experiences?
0: Well, yeah, that
1: too. But you make us sound so simple. Yeah, but you know... People might understand it that way, and our guest today knows all about good messaging. Diane Wiradu is the founder and messaging strategist at LionWords, and she totally specializes on this topic. Today, we're going to talk to her about what good messaging is, how it helps your business grow, and how to assess if you're doing it well.
0: Let's get to it.
1: The product experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe.
0: Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover loads of free resources to help you with your product practice. You can also find more information about Mind the Product's conferences and their great training opportunities happening around the world and online.
1: Create a free account on the website for a fully personalized experience and to get access to the full library of awesome content and the weekly curated newsletter. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities. There's probably one near you. Diane, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How's everything going? How are you doing?
2: Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm great. I'm excited to talk all about messaging.
1: So I saw a talk you did last year in in Bucharest, of all places. It was fantastic. It was fabulous. Um, But before we get into all this stuff about content and uh content marketing and optimizing your content i just want to get a quick introduction to you so can you tell us uh what is it you're doing these days and how did you get into the well i usually ask people how they got into product but how did you get into the this space in the first place
2: yeah yeah i'm a sneaky one right because i'm not really product um so i run a messaging consultancy for uh b2b SaaS and tech companies called lionwords so I basically come in and help uh, companies create messaging that resonates with their potential buyers, customers, so that then hopefully they can get better results from marketing assets like their website, website copy, product messaging, stuff like that. And how I got into what I do now is a bit of a kind of, yeah, a bit of a, a, a funky road, I guess. Um, before really focusing and niching down on messaging, I worked as a copywriter, so a conversion copywriter. And before that, in a previous life, I was a translator. I worked in the translation and language industry for probably most of my career, actually. Um, so I've also managed a translation team, a dubbing studio. So I've always been involved in kind of the world of communications, I guess, Um, I'm a marketer by default, but I don't really like to call myself a marketer. I've just kind of fallen into this, but I've always been uh, super involved in like how we communicate things, right? So whether that was translation or copy, it's kind of how do you express and talk about the things that you do, the products that you sell, and how do you communicate with your customers and clients?
1: So you're really specific about the fact that what you're working on is messaging and We've done episodes before on positioning with April Dunford, and we've done copy optimization with Erica Jorgensen. But what is specifically, what is the difference between copy positioning and messaging? Or what is messaging, I guess, is what I'm asking.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. I think a lot of people do confuse messaging with copywriting. Um, I make a very simple distinction that messaging is what you say by your product or your solution and copywriting is how you say that message. So that's like the the most simple way that I can probably say that. To, I guess, color that description a little bit more, I, I think that messaging is really all about kind of identifying the most important things about your product or your service and kind of why that matters to your audience. So messaging is really kind of how do you articulate what you're all about, essentially. Um, And so you need to have a really strong, clear foundation, strong messaging if you want to have uh, impactful copy. So, you know, if you if you think of picture a triangle right and the foundation of your company is your positioning and where you sit in the market and then messaging kind of sits on top of that and then and then copy on top of that
0: and a term that I keep hearing these days is uh that message market fit um so tell me a bit about that like does is that more than what you've kind of just talked about in terms of like just getting that right message for your market and how do you know when you've achieved message market fit
2: yeah, it's a great question. I talk about message market fit a lot and I think that that was the the presentation that you saw in Bucharest as well was really about message market fit. So, I define message market fit as pretty much just how much does your message actually resonate with your prospects and customers, right? Like is your does your message land with your market? And really the the way to achieving message market fit is making sure that you're articulating Not only the value, so the value of your product and like what someone can gain from it, um, the uniqueness of your product as well. But you want to really articulate that and express that in a in a clear, in a relevant, and in a differentiated way. So that's kind of this magic trifecta that I've found anyway of like message market fit. Like all of the companies that you see that have this really strong message market fit, that what they talk about lands with their customers. They're all super clear. They're all really relevant. So they're they're actually speaking to their customers in the type of language that, you know, resonates, that makes sense to them. And then that third one is the differentiation, right? Like they don't sound like everyone else. It's really clear, like it's really clear why I should pick you and why I should pick your product um, over something else or another solution on the market. Um, So yeah, so that's how I think of message market fit really. And I think that, you know, it's not enough to just have product market fit, like for companies you really need to focus on having message market fit too. Um, and if I'm really going to kind of push the boat and be a bit extreme about this, I actually don't know if you can have true product market fit without message market fit. Huh. Like, I feel like it relies on you. Like, how can you, how, how do you have product market fit if, if what you're saying doesn't resonate with customers anyway? So, you know, I feel like we should be talking about this a lot more, um, you know, everyone's like PMF, but let's get MMF. <laughs> I think in the dictionary and talk about
1: <laughs> it a bit more, Diane. One of the reasons I was really keen to to have you on is when I saw you do this this talk. You're concentrating on something which isn't what I do every day. You know, isn't what product people necessarily do every day. But the way you talked about it was so similar to everything that that we concentrate on all of our frameworks. So. I wanna get into how you create messaging because it sounds like positioning is kind of vision and copy is tactics. So is I'm guessing the messaging is kind of the 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 strategy for, for all this. But how do you actually go about doing it?
2: Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think probably when I talk about messaging, what resonates is the the process, right? Because pulling, you know, messaging isn't just plucking Like, what shall we say about our product? Like plucking it out of the air, you know, strong messaging should be informed by your positioning in the market. So you need to be really clear on where you sit, um, how you operate, like what box do people put you in? Um, But it should also be informed by uh, the value you provide to your customers. And so my process in helping companies create or optimize or improve their messaging is actually... Uh, based on a lot of research, so I do a lot of not only research in terms of the, the market and the product but also customer research. so going out and speaking to uh, existing the existing customer base to understand um, how do they think, how do they feel, how do they speak about your product and how do we need to change our current messaging to make sure that it it resonates with the market really. So kind of, you know, we could kind of walk through, I don't know how you want to approach this really. We could walk through uh my process kind of step by step or we could dig into the, the the customer research part of it. So, I'll leave it open to you.
0: I think having like a a high level step by step would be really really helpful. Um yeah, that would be great. Yeah. So when you're when you've kind of done the customer research um, and presumably interviewed a load of customers are there specific questions that you're asking in that research?
2: Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. So maybe if i'll I'll take it a step back and kind of break down the process that I do just for context when I come in uh, so I, I work as a you know as a con- consultant capacity and I come in and I work mainly with, kind of growth stage, uh, B2B SaaS and, and and tech companies. And so one of the prerequisites is that, okay, you have product market fit, you have existing paying customers because, you know, that's such an important part of my process. I just wanted to put that out as like a caveat. If you're super early stage uh, building a product, then maybe this part of the process might not might not work. But the, the way that I, I look at kind of evaluating and, and creating messaging, I can break it down into... Five steps, I think. Yeah, five. First is sort of documenting and evaluating just your existing messaging and your existing beliefs and like what are you saying right now? Um, and the reason that's the first step is because often we're not reinventing the wheel with messaging. Like you already, you're already clearly saying something that works. I work with founders, product teams, product marketing, uh, you know, uh, revenue, customer success. You all, know what your product does and you're all saying things, but often the challenge is just that it's not, it doesn't resonate or there's no consistency across the company. So I always start with this, like, okay, let's set the foundations. What are we saying now? What's working? What's not working? How do we wish we sat? What do we think we should be saying? So I always start with that as like the first step. Then the next two steps are those kind of research phases. So the second one, um, you know, research and discovery essentially, The second step is finding out what customers are saying. So voice of customer research. And this is probably the most important phase, I would say. Going out and speaking, like actually speaking to customers, but listening. I say speaking, but really it's listening to them. Whether that's jumping on interviews, which is my favorite thing to do and have conversations with customers, whether that's surveying, whether that's just getting scrappy and and looking online and, you know, mining reviews and comments, whatever whatever it is that you... Uh, can do but trying to understand how do they find the, the customer journey with with your product right the other part of that research when we've we've studied our customers i also like to look at the market and competitors So do basically a competitor messaging audit essentially which is like you know you don't sit in a vacuum, right? No one looks at your product and only your product and doesn't evaluate it against anyone else. And so I also like to look at, okay, well, what's the context? What what other messaging is out there? Like, what is everyone else prioritizing and focusing? So I do uh, sort of competitor uh, messaging, um, audit and research, which is like that third phase. And then the next phase is really sort of filtering and synthesizing the the research so really finding your messaging focus so based on the research what we want what we've heard in the market what should we really be talking about uh, what should we be focusing on and, and highlighting over everything else so that's really kind of mapping out that messaging hierarchy. Um, and then the, the, the final stage is actually putting those pieces together. So putting together whatever asset the, the company needs, whether that is putting together a messaging hub, uh, a messaging hierarchy, a messaging map, or putting out some product messaging. So that then that, you know, the, the product team and the marketing team can then run with it and be consistent essentially, I guess, across all channels and go off and, and create copy. Um, so those are the, the steps. <laughs> sort of, yeah, five, I guess, five phases in total.
0: So like I'm going to I'm going to pick pick you out on one of the things that you said there, which was like you can't have product market fit without message market fit. But then you said you often work with companies who have product market fit to then work on their message market fit. Yeah. So I assume it is this kind of like that classic sort of inching your way forward and kind of continuous optimization and you do it's the the thing that as you grow as a business and as you try to attract different markets and stuff like that, you you know you're constantly having to revisit this.
2: Yeah, I love. I appreciate that you called me out on that. Actually, I hadn't thought about it. <laughs> Sorry, no, it's true. <laughs> but it's true because I think I look at it almost like a, a flywheel. You know that you're. It's yeah. It's constant iteration. It's like the chicken and the egg. Which one came first? Or you can't have one without the other. So yeah, I mean, when I say I work with companies that have product market fit, okay, it, it depends on my the definition that we're talking about, but when you you have uh, you know, a certain base, there's some certain resonance you have a certain level of customers, then something is clearly working. Like your messaging isn't completely broken. The question is just will the messaging that you have used up until now, will that get you to the next stage of growth? And usually it doesn't. um, And usually companies at some point, kind of outgrow what they've been saying and that can be for many reasons maybe the product has actually changed and evolved maybe your positioning has changed in the market maybe a competitor another player has come on the scene and now that's completely disrupted what used to be your differentiated value so now we can't lead with that anymore and your messaging isn't differentiated anymore and so it is this kind of constant cycle you know, I'm not saying like every week or every quarter, you need to be drastically changing your messaging, because one of the things that you want to have is some level of consistency. And I think actually companies nowadays try to change things way too often. So but it's just this constant uh, iteration of does it still resonate? What's changed? If it's changed, do we need to be talking about this in a different way?
0: And when you're going through that kind of process, how do you know that it's stopped working? Or how do you know that it's ready to, you know, that you're ready to make a change?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. I think it, I think this shows up in different ways for different companies. If I just think about some of the the reasons that companies reach out to me, or the things that um, CEOs and founders and marketing leaders say. There are usually a, f- a few telltale signs. Um, some at some point, sort of marketing and sales, you're sort of broken, I guess. So if you're not actually getting the results. Uh, from your marketing that you want, uh, maybe you're not actually attracting the the right audience. So you, in terms of your your leads and buyers and and people who are actually purchasing your product, uh, they're they're not kind of you know hitting the spot, I guess. So there there are a few ways that you'll know that you kind of outgrown your messaging, um, and usually it's what you hear back and the feedback that you hear from the market and from your customers. So uh, you're not seeing the results from your marketing or sales. You're not seeing the type of leads uh, and signups and sales that you should be seeing. Um, it could also be that there's a shift internally, um, or you can simply, sometimes I have, uh, you know, company CEOs reach out to me and they're like, we're not you know we're not we know we don't sound exactly like what we offer we know we're not saying the right things and we're not we just don't know how to do it um i think often product teams are so close to their product you know they know it inside and out and they know the value that they deliver they know the capabilities they know all of the features but often it's just like you know word soup on the <laughs> on the website and then we're like well you know, no one knows what we do um, and we don't know why. And sometimes it's because, well, you're saying everything or, you you know, you're saying too much or you're trying to talk about everything. So I think there are, there are, it really depends on the the stage of the company.
1: You, in, your, in your talk, you talked about, um, about some of the most common mistakes that people make. And I think you just hit on one of them, which is too many messages. And I want to hear how you talk about uh, uh, concentrating on on cutting on well on avoiding that. Uh, you know, to me, that's almost like a north star metric or OKRs or something like that. What do, what's your approach?
2: Yeah, I think too many too many messages is probably one of the biggest mistakes that I see companies make when it comes to their messaging, and I always liken it to. When you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, you know, you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet and you just have all of these options in front of you. And if you're anything like me, you just pile everything on your plate. Like, you, you know, you can't say no. So you're like, yeah, I'll have a bit of spaghetti and but I'll also have rice and I'll have everything. And then you walk away with this plate piled high um, with just this mishmash of stuff Uh, And it's never the best meal of your life. Like when is an all you can eat buffet? Like you've been the best meal of your life. It isn't, you feel terrible after. And it's a bit like that with with our messaging. You know, we want to throw in another message. We want to talk about reliability. Like we have to, we're a super reliable product, but then we also have to talk about efficiency. Um, But we have to mention speed because, you know, it's super fast. But we also have to talk about security and on and on and on and on. And so you just throw in another message, another message, and the problem is, it kind of dilutes what you're really about, and customers and prospects can't retain like all of this information. Particularly when we're talking about messaging, which then gets translated to copy on your website or in certain assets. When people are engaging with the marketing related to your product, they want to find answers. They want to know the key things, um, and then they'll they'll discover they'll head to your you know. Product features page to find out everything, but when we're talking about your homepage or you know an, an initial sales asset, you need to be super crystal clear about the one key message. So I, you talked about OKRs. I actually add another acronym to the mix, just in case you don't have enough acronyms. But I talk about the OKM, which is your one key message. So I often ask the question, you know, if a customer or a prospect was going to walk away and just remember one thing about your product, what would it be? And often that's a question that, you know, I come in and speak to the leadership team and I ask that and we're like, cool. So that we really need to focus and hone in on that. We really need to prioritize. And then everything else will come along that, you know, the customer journey and the awareness journey. Um, But it's really hard for prospects to know what you're all about when you just stuff, every message under the sun. Um, so yeah, prioritisation is is key.
0: And what are the other two
2: problems that you see? Yeah, so after overstuffing your messaging, um, I would also say that what I call me, me, me syndrome is probably the next biggest issue that I see with messaging. So me, me, me syndrome is when companies are just so too focused on the product and talking about the product and what it does that they actually forget about their users and their customers and talking about the value that the product delivers or the capability of what you can do with the product. So I always kind of make that distinction between here's what our product can do is not the same as here's what you can do with our product. You know, those are two very different messages. Um, And of course, we want to showcase what we've built and how amazing it is and all these, you know, brilliant features and shiny things. But we always need to make sure that we translate um, those features and uh, product capabilities into what our customers and users can actually get from that you know, some products, this is a lot easier than others because the value is, you know, instantly and distinctively very clear. Um, But for some more complex products, like we really need to make sure that we do the work of translating um, all of those features and capabilities into, so all those features into capabilities, which is like what you actually can get from the product as well. So I think that's a, I think that's a huge issue. (laughs) I think we can all probably think of, you know, we can all think of a website, you know, where we've landed there and we're like, OK, don't know what I'm going to do with this product. And then say you just bounce because it's not clear. So I think that's the, the the second biggest problem. And the third is probably just fluff. <laughs> like I think I call this fluff syndrome where just super vague, buzzwordy language and messaging um, that really just kind of stifles again the value of the product. Not sort of being afraid to actually clearly explain uh, what you do, and just kind of getting caught up in the world of buzzwords and, and jargon, um, which really distracts like users and customers, and they can't. It's really hard to understand what a product does when it's just buzzword salad on the page. So I think that's a huge that's a huge issue, particularly particularly in in SaaS and tech.
1: Diane. I know we've got lots more questions about the practical but before we do the practical I want to uh, just nail down why this is so important. So what kind of value do you see people getting from from fixing this? Because you know most of us uh, most of our listeners we're product people. Our job is to, you know, we have these KPIs around trying to optimize things, but our first instinct is to build our way out of things rather than refine and and optimize in this way. So talk a little bit about the benefit of of this approach.
2: Yeah, I think that's um it's a really interesting distinction actually when we think from a product perspective, but if I if you allow me to go kind of high level just for a second, if we think about the fact that, you know, language shapes our actions and shapes how we see and how we derive value from things, then it's very kind of easy to understand that if we optimize this, then actually your users and customers will actually gain the value that you that you expect, right? So as product people, you're building um, and it's often frustrating when you think we've built this brilliant thing, but it's not getting across. And often, you know, the solution isn't building our way out of it, it's just being better explainers. So I think one key aspect is actually helping users and customers gain the value that they should from a product. Um, And so if we kind of build on that, well, what does that mean? Well, depending on your product, that means that you're helping users and customers, you know, I don't know, kind of gain more efficiencies. Maybe that's uh, building the company. Maybe that's being faster at something, you know, whatever it is that your product delivers. I think that optimizing that language means that you can deliver that better. And then purely from a, you know, a, a sales and a sales and, and marketing perspective. Um, you know, you can see things like reduced sales cycles. Um, we can also see, uh, you know, less churn as well because you're actually making sure that those early users are aligned and really understand the value, so they're very they're less likely to churn. So I think you know, optimizing messaging really touches on kind of the full customer life cycle uh, when done well. Um, You know, you're more likely to attract the right fit prospects that can actually gain value from your products and not the wrong ones who are then going to bounce when they realize that it isn't exactly what they thought it was.
0: And earlier, you mentioned the last step of the process is creating like a messaging hub. What, What does that contain? What does that look like? And how do how do the teams then go ahead and use that?
2: Yeah, I think that having a clear document or a clearly documented uh, messaging strategy, I think is super important. And it's, it's actually sort of the reason I do the work that I do now uh, was because when I was working as a uh, conversion copywriter, I would be hired by tech companies, they come in and say, hey, help us, you know, we need to rewrite our homepage, or we need to, you know, rewrite our landing pages. And then I'd come in, and I'd say, cool, okay, so tell me, like all of these important things that I need to know to write copy, tell me about your differentiated value, tell me about, you know, the prioritized message, like, what should we be talking about? What do customers care about? Um, and I realized that many companies didn't have this stuff. And so then, you know, you bring in, uh, you might bring in contractors, or you might have multiple people on the content and copy team, that are all writing copy, but then they're all kind of creating their own stuff they're all using a different tone of voice or we're prioritizing different messages all over the place and so that kind of messaging hub um is really just about like documenting having a clear a a singular sort of single source of truth i guess about like how do we talk about our product so in terms of like what it actually contains it really varies a little bit from um company to company, depending on like how much you need to document, I think you you can go very granular and you can go very exhaustive or you can keep things very simple. But I like to cover kind of messaging across um, the kind of four layers of like who we are, what do we do? um, Why do we do it? So the why is a little bit more about like the, the values and the brand as well, because I think that's really important. And then kind of how, how do we say it? Um, so we're going to touch on things like your key value propositions as well, uh, key messaging pillars. So when we talked about the, that OKM, as I call it, the one key message, um, like what are the key messages or the key uh, prioritized things that we should be focusing on um, in our messaging? And then I kind of build out example messages of like how we talk about that as well. Um, And then I kind of build out a product messaging hierarchy as well for some companies as well. So that would include sort of all those layers of how do we talk about the benefit of the product? How do we talk about the capability for the user and the feature as well? So I kind of and the proof point as well. So, for example, how do we talk about X feature and the benefit that that delivers for the customers as well?
0: It sounds like a lot of work.
1: <laughs> is this is this something that you know, it sounds similar to a design style guide and things like that. Is that usually where this lives or is it a complement to that or is this something totally separate?
2: So, I think that a design guide and a messaging guide should live separately um because they are not used by the same people and they're not we're not really talking about the same language. Your messaging guide can help inform your design guide. In fact, sometimes I'm brought in when companies are either launching a new product or actually going to rebrand. And so then we get really clear on the messaging um, and who we are and what we what we do before um, optimizing the brand side of things. But no, what what this kind of messaging hub does is it allows The marketing team, the product marketers, uh, whoever is actually using language to speak about the the product, to have uh, uh, consistency and clarity uh, and to have essentially a kind of playbook, right? A playbook and framework as to um, what to say, when and how. So for each company, it really depends. Um, You know, some companies just shove this in a dock and that's it. Some it's like a notion uh, you know, a notion. What are they called? Notion document. I don't. I, I don't use Notion, so I can't. I can't remember. Page, yeah, page or okay, something. Um, some companies are like, okay, we, we have this in Confluence, and so it's easily accessible for, by everyone who creates content. Um, but it's that it's that starting point for like marketing and sales to then always refer to and know, like, this is how we talk about our key messages, and this is how we talk about our capabilities.
0: And are there any? sort of best practices or formulas for displaying your messaging, like on your website?
2: So I would say, when it comes to actually translating your messaging to copy on a website, or on a landing page, there isn't one, you know, best practice that I can point you to, there isn't one singular framework that will work. I know that um, a lot of tech companies do like to follow the exact same format and framework. (laughs) And it's almost like everyone has the same template. Um, But try not to look at your competitors and just follow and fill the boxes. I think that's the worst thing. It's going to make me pull out my hair. I hate it when that happens where you have this design (laughs) template and then you try to shove words in a box. Um, So there isn't one framework, which, sorry, that's probably not the best answer. But what I would say is, like, copy is a conversation, right? So your website, any asset, any marketing asset is a conversation between you and the reader. And the same way that conversations and you know, social interactions have a natural structure. You say hi, hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, we we follow this same flow. Your website does the same thing. So when you when someone lands on a homepage or a landing page, there are questions that they're asking in their head that you should answer in uh, you know sequential order. And the first one is what do you do you know the first one is who are you and what do you do simply so that's the first question that you know in a headline or in a value proposition i'm expecting to have an answer in front of me that is okay we are this type of company or we are this tool we are this product and this is what we do and if that's clear then my second question is probably going to be like okay great like you know who for like is this for me so it I want to be feel really clear that let's say I'm landing on uh, accounting software and I land on it and I want it to be I want it to be super clear that it's accounting software and then I want to know but is it for me is it for you know small companies or is it for a huge enterprise like I want to know if I'm if I'm in the right place if you answer that question then yes it is for you or it's for this type of company or this type of uh, ideal buyer then my next question is usually okay like well, what value can I get from that, or like why should I care um, and then the fourth question usually is can i like can I trust you because usually we want to see some element of trust on a web page before we kind of dig deeper, and then you know we I could probably go on forever, but i 'll pause there because I think those like initial four questions are a good way of thinking about how to structure the hero section um on your website, which is that section that you land on on an initial uh, homepage or on a product page or uh, a landing page. So people are usually thinking, you know, who are you? What do you do? Is it for me? Why should I care? And then they'll move through um, the kind of consideration phases and want to discover a bit more about your product, your pricing uh, and all that. But if you don't answer those first questions, then, you know, we're not going to move on. So if you start talking about something completely different or you use a headline that's like I don't know tech reimagined cool I have no idea what (laughs) that is and so I'm probably gonna bounce so hopefully it wasn't really a framework but hopefully that kind of answers your question
0: yeah no I think that there's loads of really good um insight there that thank you so much um I mean, all of the really terrible websites that I've landed on in my past days are coming back to haunt me of just like landing and going like, I literally have no idea what this company does. How do you, uh, do you have a, a kind of formula for testing your messaging once you've finessed it as well?
2: Yes, I, I wouldn't say a formula, but I think there are multiple ways to test your messaging. One sort of, if we maybe think what not to do, um, I wouldn't go out and test your messaging by like throwing up a landing page and driving a load of like ads to it. Um, I think that sometimes we can get a little bit mixed up and think that we can like launch a campaign um, and drive a traffic to it. I think that one of the the first ways that we can test out our messaging is, depending on the type of company, of course, is like with the sales team. So I know this is very similar to uh, April Dunford's uh, kind of methodology, where you know she's like we work on the positioning, and then we build that messaging, we test that with with the sales team. So people who are actually having conversations about the product with potential buyers, uh, they'll there's sort of that fastest feedback loop initially. Um, in terms of like testing your website, one of the best ways is really to do like qualitative message testing. So actually putting that uh, the website in front of, you know, a panel of your ideal customer and asking them kind of qualitative, open-ended questions about like, does this make sense? Is this clear? Would you want to read more? So there are a few different, you know, I use, for example, Winter is a great one. Um, there used to be a, a couple of other websites that like use testing, or you can actually gather your own panels. But I think that sort of getting qualitative, feedback and insights from potential buyers um, is also one of the, the best ways of knowing, like, does it, does it resonate? Um, does it improve? And then of course, like the, you know, the usual marketing metrics that you would kind of set at the beginning of a project uh, and then kind of track. So what, what is it that you're actually trying to to look for? Are we looking at conversions on the page conversions to, you know, trials, uh, uh, signups, are we looking at demos, like w- whichever kind of, I guess uh, OKR okay, or oh, whatever we've set at the beginning of the project. I think tracking those and seeing how that's improved once you've, you've optimized your messaging as well is is another kind of easy way.
1: Diane, we could talk about this for hours. It's fascinating. It's great, <laughs> and I love the 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 fact that the approach you're using just maps so nicely onto the way our brains already work. This is is fantastic stuff. But that said. I think we are getting to the end of this one. So I'm going to ask one last question, which is as a, as a practical thing, what can I do tomorrow with this? How do I know when I should be turning to this? You know, it's another tool in the toolbox. It's not the only tool, but when do I start working with messaging as my primary opportunity?
2: I think probably the, I guess the, the kind of quickest win or the easiest win, the thing that you could do uh, tomorrow in terms of this is, well, let me think, let me, let's me let like, kind of two things. The kind of framework that I just said of making sure that in your, the hero of your website, let's focus on your website, because that is, I guess, one of the biggest and most important marketing assets for uh, your products. So if we're talking about that, making sure that when someone lands there, that they know what you do, who for and why, so simply reviewing that. And then I think a quick win um, would also be to, you know, put your messaging in, in front of um, actual ideal customers and kind of running a test or running a survey because it's very uh, easy to kind of dive into this type of work with the product and marketing and get everyone together and and spend kind of weeks going back and forth when really you just want to get feedback from your customers, right? Because again, we talked about this this, uh, at the beginning of the episode, we talked about this kind of flywheel of like product market fit and message market fit. And, you know, that goes round and round. Um, but your customers will be, they're the ones that will tell you if, uh, your messaging is resonating or not. Um, and so, you know, we can do all of this and talk about this in isolation, but you need to actually go out there and get feedback from ideal customers. Like, does this make sense? Uh, do you know what we do? Is our differentiated value coming through? Is it clear? Um, And then you've got a good starting point to optimize. So I would say that's probably the quickest win um, and the thing that you could do tomorrow
1: if you want to, Randy. (laughs) Well, I got to do something. So this has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Diane. We learned a ton today.
2: Thank you for having me. This was really fun. The time has flown. So I hope it it does for the listeners too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Diane. It's been great. The Product Experience is the first
1: and the best
0: podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith.
1: And me, Randy Silver.
0: Lou Ron Pratt is our producer and Luke Smith is our editor.
1: Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band PAU. That's P-A-U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide.
0: If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank.